It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. From RealGhostStoriesOnline.com, welcome to another episode of our little radio program. I am Tony Bruski, along with Jenny Bruski, and this, my friends, is Real Ghost Stories Online, the show where we talk about your real ghost stories. You write into us, you call into us, and we share your stories. The phone number to do that. Have you memorized this number by, by any chance, by the 400 times I've said it out loud? I should have, but I haven't yet. 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802. That's right. Okay. There you go. I, I still have to pull up the website to look at it. <laughs> you if do. I, right as I say that, I'm like typing in Real Ghost Stories, so I have it in front of me so I don't give the wrong number out. But you can call in 24 hours a day, seven days a week, leave us your ghost story. You get about 10 minutes on there to do it. So uh, tell away. We would love to get your Real Ghost Story. Or if you're more of a, a writing person, we'd love for you just to write into us. Go to the website, realghoststoriesonline.com, and click the Tell Us your ghost story button. That's all you have to do. And then, of course, we share the stories on future episodes. That's what fuels the show. So if you got a real ghost story, small or big, uh, we want to hear it. That's what it is all about. And then uh, we'll, we'll discuss and um, try and figure out what these uh, things are that uh, people are seeing and experiencing uh, all the time. Lots of uh, letters, lots of calls uh, on today's show. Let's... Uh, Let's just go right to that. We got a uh, a call right here, a follow up on something that we had talked about recently. Yes. Hi, Tony. My name's Barb. Um, I really don't have a story for you. I just wanted to tell you that there is a show on YouTube called Yorkshire Ghost Paranormal Haunting, and on there they tell a story of sightings of Roman soldiers that are two thousand years old. And I've heard you say that you never hear of really old ghosts. Uh, watch that, and you will. That's all I had to say. Bye. There you go. 2,000-year-old Roman soldier ghost. What do you think of that? Do you think that's a case of, like, we've kind of talked about maybe power in numbers? It'd be interesting. I guess that would make sense. Because mm-hmm. I- we, the other thing we've been talking about is that the energy eventually dissipates. But I suppose if you're a Roman soldier, and when you see, and you think of Roman soldiers, they're not usually, like, one hanging out by himself. It's a plethora of... Roman soldiers together and a lot of them dying all together. Right. Kind of like um, when you go to Gettysburg or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that that may have something to do with that. That's, I think, one of the oldest I've heard of if it's a Roman soldier. That's great. Yeah. I mean, not great, but that's very interesting that we know that now. Or maybe it's the ghost of a troubled reenactor. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> I wonder if that would happen. Well, you remember the other day we were watching something and there was a guy reenacting, acting as Robert E. Lee. And I was like, I wonder if they ever get haunted by who they're portraying. I wonder if you come back as a ghost as a reenactor. You know, when the reenactors die, Uh what that would be so confusing. If you were at Gettysburg and you saw these ghosts, but it turns out it's not even the ghost of an actual soldier. It's the ghost of, of, you know, Chuck Downs from, uh, you know, that area and he was a weekend reenactor and he ate too many Big Macs and had a heart attack and died but he's coming back as a ghost of a Gettysburg soldier will the real soldier please stand up <laughs> exactly wow I w- in theory possibility who knows <laughs> ghosts of reenacting yeah I could see that I really could if you have a real ghost story uh, feel free to uh, give us a buzz phone number again 855-853-4802 855-853-4802 Melissa Weaver commented on our uh, YouTube page about a uh, previous episode she said thank you Tony and Jenny for sharing my letter on a pre- on this uh, previous episode of a Real Ghost Stories Online about my eBay home business do you remember this? Vaguely, yeah. Uh, Jenny wanted to know what some of the suspected eBay items I bought, I uh, brought home were. Around the time we were moving in, I sold two Catholic sick boxes. 
that are used to bless people and a 1950s wedding dress. But it could have been a number of other items. I am very careful not to purchase sick boxes anymore. Uh, of course, the disturbances could have been from uh, digging up the ground, as Tony suggested. My son found a single arrowhead in the dirt. We'll never know. Just thought you'd like to know those uh, added details. I don't know what a sick box is. Do you? I don't know either. But they says a sick box used to bless people in the 1950s. So okay. I'm guessing maybe it's like a like a last rites kit, maybe that a a priest would take with him. I don't know. To me, it just sounds like something that would hold a lot of energy and a lot of emotion, just like the wedding dress would, too. I could see a wedding dress being the, sure. the culprit there. But then again, with the arrowhead, who knows? There might be some ancestral things going on there, too. Yeah, I mean, I could say, especially the arrowhead, anytime, I mean, it's funny, because I remember being a kid, and we would uh, go on vacation um, up to where my grandparents are from in the Black River Falls, Wisconsin area and uh, Hatfield and all that. And it's all it's very um, beautiful country, but uh, a lot of Native American presence there mm-hmm. um, and uh, a, a lot of opportunity to find uh, relics, if you will, out there in the woods when you're hiking like arrowheads and hatchet heads, you know, made from rock. And it's. Not all that difficult, really, to find. I mean, it takes a little looking, but you can do it. And I remember coming across arrowheads and things of that nature. My mom would collect them, too, as a kid. Um, I can't say I ever had anything weird happen from collecting those things. My mom had a whole collection of them, still does, um, of real arrowheads that were just found playing around. No, I don't think it'd be from... Well, I mean... I could see something happening from taking the arrowhead, but I'm thinking if you found an arrowhead there, mm-hmm. then maybe you are on some land that... Sure. Well, I'm saying I could see it happening from taking those things. Sure. Um, I, I guess either is possible, but then again, the the eBay items, any yeah. I I could say any of that being the culprit. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's hard to, to really narrow that one down, I think. But, yeah. uh, but thanks for running in and following up with us uh, yeah. on that. It's always cool to hear... Uh, the other side of the story, if we have some questions, like in the, then we get a letter back or another call back a couple of days later. 855-853-4802 is the phone number. 855-853-4802. Let's go to a letter that was written into us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. This one comes to us from Michael. Michael writes in, hello, my name is Michael. I'm 33 years old and I currently reside in San Diego, California. My brother and I. Have been highly interested in paranormal since we were young. I believe this is mostly because of certain situations that had happened to our family many years ago. Hopefully I can find the time to write and share many other incidents we've experienced over the years. For now, I'll share with you the story of when I was still in high school. This incident took place about 16 years ago when my family and I still lived in the Philippines. I was a junior at the time, along with my twin brother in a small privately owned school. It was about 6 p.m. when I got done with school activities. My brother was not feeling well that day, and it was drizzling, so I decided to go to his homeroom and help him carry his books. The room was on the second floor of the school where it was rumored to be haunted. Most of the school staff had left for the day, and only a few remaining students and teachers were present in the schoolyard. To my knowledge, it was just my brother on the whole floor at the time, since the custodian had just gotten done putting his equipment away. I climbed up to the second floor, turned left along the hallway, and spotted my brother's classroom door on my left. The door opens up to the back end of the classroom, where my brother sat all the way at the back, near the middle aisle. The door hinges were on the left side, so it swings open to the left. When I arrived, the door was already completely wide open, and it was flat against the back wall of the room. As I was about to walk in, I could see my brother. His back turned sitting on his chair just a few feet away from where I was. Before I could say anything, I stopped out of my tracks as I saw a shadow jutting out from underneath the door. The shadow had a very distinct shape of a person. This did not make sense because the door was wide open against the wall and casting a shadow when there's absolutely no light source behind it. I didn't freak out at first because I was more confused. About two seconds later, the shadow slowly retreated underneath the door. I was so terrified I couldn't move and couldn't utter a single word. My brother turned around and saw me, so he started packing his things while I stood outside the doorway, paralyzed. He was saying something to me, but I could not understand his words because I was still in shock. 
I finally mustered the strength to move into the room, hurried, packed his remaining stuff. Without uttering a single word, I turned to him and managed to say in a very nervous whisper, hurry up. As he anxiously carried his books, as soon as we stepped out of the room, I ran downstairs as fast as I could, and my brother ran after me, spooked. I told him what happened when we got into the car. What he told me was very interesting. He said that the whole time I was standing outside the room waiting for him, he was trying to tell me about a weird experience he had just prior to me arriving. According to him, before I appeared in front of the doorway, he heard someone walk up right behind him, as he was drawing on a piece of paper to pass the time. He thought it was me, so he didn't say anything. It became weird when the figure stopped right behind him, and my brother looked down on the floor and saw the shadow of a person just standing there behind him. As his head, in his head, this didn't make sense, considering the light source in the room was right in front of him, so the shadow could not be casting in that direction. The shadow slowly retreated away from him, but he couldn't hear any sound of movement from the person. He froze, terrified, and he said all he heard was a weird scratching noise, as if someone was scratching a wooden table with something. At that exact moment, he saw me appear from outside the room. That's when I saw the shadowy figure slowly retreat underneath the door. There have been rumors in that school that a boy once committed suicide on that floor. For reasons unknown, there's a men's restroom on that floor that the faculty has closed and forbids us from using. The woman's restroom, on the other hand, is open, but no reason was ever given to us as why the men's was closed. I have another story about that particular restroom. I'll share it in the future. Thanks for taking time to read this. Michael. I want to know the story about the restroom now. I want to know the story too, Michael. Please write in. Write in and tell us the story of the restroom, Michael. Yeah, that's creepy. That is very creepy. Is that considered a shadow person when it's not like walking up and down? Yeah, I mean, anytime it's a shadow, whether it's a shadow cast on the floor or a shadow that's like entity walking, Uh you know. When I think of shadow people, I think more so shadows on the floor than I do think of shadow uh, entity. When I think of like shadow entity, I think of more like that's an apparition. This is my own personal definition. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I I think, you know, you're seeing some figure moving through... The atmosphere, that to me is an apparition. That to me is not a shadow person. A shadow person to me is something where it is literally a shadow being projected on a wall or something, some solid object. Okay. That's my, you know, others may disagree. My, my, in, okay, in my mind, I was thinking a shadow person was more like an apparition that was just all black. I think that's a lot of apparitions, though. I mean, because that's, okay. that, a lot of apparitions don't necessarily have, distinct features Mm -hmm. you know so if it's i mean again this is i think it's all relative to how you're going to define it but i think a shadow person is shadow person on the wall like this or on the floor um that's interesting though that is very interesting i want to know the bathroom story we had creepy bathrooms in my high school really i don't know if my high school is haunted or not it certainly could have been they tore it down the year after i graduated um but it looked like a prison (laughs) <laughs> it really did. Goodrich High School in in, in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. And uh, it uh, it was built... So my grandparents went there mm-hmm. uh, when it was fairly new. And it's all was all rock. It was like a very historic-looking building. I'm surprised the historical society didn't say, no, you can't tear this down. Um, actually, it would have made great apartments, but I don't know what the cost to renovate it would have been. But um, all brick... Not a whole lot, uh, I think, improved in the main portion that was torn down um, over those uh, damn near 100 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, But those bathrooms were creepy and old. (laughs) So creepy, in fact, it had haunted urinals. This is... Okay. It was just... Here's the creepy part. Uh, The bathrooms were stacked atop of each other, three three stories high, uh, and directly on top of each other. Uh, the ceiling uh, above where the urinals were from floor to floor below completely rotted out of the floor. Ew. Yeah. So you could look right up and then you're uh, you're seeing the you know the backside of the the, the urinals from the upstairs. But yeah, it's uh, it was a <laughs> wow quality. I went. Um, we have what I call the new middle school and then the old middle school where I went. And new middle school is now about almost 20 years old. So the old middle school 
when we moved across the street to the new building, it was going to be renovated and made into an elementary school. The old middle school is, I call it a baby boomer school. It was one of those built in like the 50s with the influx of all the kids that age. When they went to renovate it, there was a little set of stairs that it was almost like it went up about five or six stairs. And then you had a hallway full of rooms and then the rest of the building was all on the same level. Mm-hmm. When they tore those stairs out, there was a set of stairs going down underneath and nobody knew that was there. And apparently that connected to the old auto shop part that was under there, but that had all been kind of sealed off. So wait, did they knock a wall out or anything? To... I don't know, but when they tore those stairs going up, yeah. they found a, a creepy set of stairs going down. And I just thought that was just yeah, a really creepy I'd be story. really interested to hear what they... Did they? How far did they investigate that? I don't know, because there was a basement to the school. The home sure. ec room and the art room were down there. And um, the art room, I think, used to be the old auto shop room, because it actually had a ramp that came out. Like, you could drive an old yeah. car down there and out. Sure. So I'm thinking it was just another way to get down there. Okay, so those rooms were still there. Yeah, the rooms were still there and in use. It was just that little... Access s- point changed. Yeah. Okay. Is it, wouldn't that be creepy yeah. to tear oh, yeah. something out and find a, another staircase? Oh, yeah. Very very much. I mean, it's always it's interesting because you, you look back at some old buildings and it just makes me wonder. I mean, at this day and age, when you have a structure, I, I don't think it would ever go through one's mind, oh, we'll just put a wall up if you're trying to, to get rid of a part of it. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, you don't just put a wall up and it magically goes away. But that was like a solution for a lot of old structures back then. Let's put the wall up and then the rest will be forgotten. Well, what I think is the part that the basement was attached to, mm-hmm. that that part was actually even older than the rest of the school because yeah. it, it looked like it was, you know, updated in the 50s or early 60s. But I think that part may have been even older part of an yeah. original building. Oh, so it was like a structural thing from another... And the reason I say that is because that ramp, that car ramp that would go down, Mm -hmm. was extremely narrow. It wasn't wide enough... For a regular A regular car. car. I'm thinking like an old car. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The radio station that I worked in, uh, the first one uh, had uh, in the basement, and you've seen it, I've shown it to you. Because we go back and visit old haunted places I used to work. I don't like that place. I'll just say it. it. Uh, the uh, the Underground Railroad is part of it. But you can clearly see that that, that basement structure um, is like a rectangle. And somebody took a sledgehammer at some point, knocked through that one wall to get to that tunnel. Mm-hmm. And that tunnel is there, you know, halfway, halfway. And this tunnel went all over the city. And then again, somebody bricked one side, somebody bricked the other side at some point in history. I would love to take a sledgehammer and knock that thing down and see what's on the other side of that brick wall. No. <laughs> what you know? What sort of can of worms are you opening up exactly. by doing that? Or if anything, but it, it was interesting because when they were doing some uh, renovations to that city, they were finding tunnels they didn't know existed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's that's fun. If you have a real ghost story, you can write into us, 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802. That's the phone number. If you want to write into us, you can go to our website at Real Ghost Stories Online and click the Tell Us Your Ghost Story button. We would absolutely love to hear your real ghost story. Oliver writes in, you said you'd like to hear more about Dead Children's Playground, so I'm back again. Yes, thank you. Maple Hill Cemetery was built in 1822. It's the oldest and largest cemetery in Alabama. It's also still running. Dead Children's Park is located within the cemetery's limits, surrounded by a rock wall on three sides. Ah, there you go. Children's Playground in the Cemetery. There's a small hill separating the playground itself and the cemetery, and the hill is a road where people park their cars. If you go to the edge, you can look over a portion of the cemetery. The playground itself is really pretty during the day, but once it turns to dusk, it has a scary kind of atmosphere surrounding it, which I'm not surprised. If you asked anyone in the Huntsville area about the playground, they would most likely tell you that the children buried in the cemetery and have the playground at night. But there's also another legend. During the 1960s, it is claimed that Huntsville suffered a a large amount of child abductions, and that the bodies of the children were found at or near the playground. Since the swings have been caught moving by themselves, the voices of children calling out and giggling are heard, and photos taken have orbs in them. 
Much of the phenomenon goes in between goes on between 10 p.m. and 3 a.m. Area photos in common have said that the swings can be uh, moving rhythmically together, even when a, a minute before it was at, it was at a complete stop. Some even say that they've seen dust from the sand that surrounds a playground as if someone had just jumped off the swing. Here's the information that most people really don't know. They can tell you about the hauntings, but they don't know information about the playground itself. In 2007, the city of Huntsville removed the playground, literally, overnight. One day, it was there. The next, it was completely gone. They hoped to turn where the playground was into more land to have burials. However, a public outcry forced city officials to pull the work order for the cemetery and new playground equipment was installed. (laughs) Hey, we, are, we don't take away our, our children's right to play in the cemetery. <laughs> I'm behind those parents. This hasn't stopped the occurrences at the playground, however. Uh, earlier in this message, I told you about a hill that separates the playground and the cemetery. I looked through the photos that, I've, uh, that I uh, took that day and realized that I got a picture on top of the hill. I'm not good at explaining things like that, so I'll let the photos show you how close they are together. And here's some photos if you'd like to see them. Oh, Definitely. And we'll put these up on uh, Real Ghost Stories Online. So there's just uh, trees and a road. Uh, And I think the other photo she sent is of the playground. This might put it more into perspective. Okay, so I think that's a road, like, in the cemetery right back there. This is a cemetery, I guess, within these woods. And then the playground's right over that hill. Oh, okay. So you can be, like, visiting your your dead loved one, and your kids can be having a grand old time on the swing set. Right there, playing with the ghost kids. Whose idea was that? That's just creepy. I don't know. It kind of... I... No. (laughs) No. (laughs) There would not be our kids going and playing there. That's just creepy. I like the idea of people playing in cemeteries. I know and enjoying you do. it, I think not not in a disrespectful way, but in a, you know, I, I think they they can be places where it doesn't have to be so sad. I really do. I think more. I think it's interesting how that Ryanzi Cemetery in my hometown does like the history walks and they they educate people on what's going on. You know who these people are. I think that's really cool. Um, I think there can be places where you can learn. I think you can have some fun there and enjoy it without. You know, just going there for either sadness or going there to be mischievous. Because there's a lot of mischievous issues in cemeteries. People knocking over gravestones. And that one, the one in my hometown, was in the early part of the 90s. It was just idiot kids going in there knocking over gravestones. And it was just being destructed. It's a beautiful cemetery. Now they've kind of taken hold of it. And it's like, hey, let's learn from history here about some of these people. I don't know if it's pushing the envelope at all, having scavenger hunts in the cemetery. But... I'm all about it. Okay, I like the idea of the reenactors of the historic figures buried there. I think that's educational. Sure. Um, the scavenger hunt, I don't know. What about Easter know. egg hunt? I think that, <laughs> I don't know. Trick-or-treating at graves. No. <laughs> I think that would be a blast. And you have people dressed up like the dead people and they hand out candy to the kids. I don't know how I feel about taking my children to purposely play at a playground that's at a cemetery. That that it is very strange having a playground in a cemetery. I like the idea of the spirits of the children having some place to play. You know? Sure. I do like that side of it, but that's just creepy. I'm so glad he he explained it and sent pictures and everything. There that's great. Dead children's playground. Mm. That's creepy. Let's go to a uh, caller, 855-853-4802 is the number. Hi. My name is Juanita, and um, I came across your real ghost stories, um, I don't know, by accident or whatever. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, I'm I'm just, uh, I'm happy I did. And I just finished watching the one on the goat man. I had never even heard of this being the goat man. Um, but my story is, um, and it's real basic. I mean, there's nothing, it's just left me baffled for a long time. I mean, till this point. This 
past winter, uh, when we had a harsh, you know, um, freeze over and everything, we had a few days that it snowed and um, I couldn't get into my driveway other than uh, I shoveled enough just to be able to pull the car in. And um, one morning, um, my daughter and I got up to leave and um, we left. We noticed something, but we didn't take a good look or anything like that uh, until we came back. And uh, there was some tracks in the fresh snow, and um, but they appeared to end. Like they went in to the end of the house. Uh, and this is down the driveway. And we were in the car talking about something and then uh, I've been trying to figure out that the tracks end or I just couldn't see them from where I was sitting. Anyways, well, she had noticed them too. And um, eventually we got out of the car, we finished talking or whatever, and we got out of the car. And curiosity got the best of both of us because the tracks seemed to end uh, at, the, at the very back, you know, where the house, where the house at the end of the house. So we went to walk and what they were were hoof marks, okay, uh, hoof tracks. And it looked like a two-legged being, you know, the, the, it was a two-legged being that did them, like, like if a human was walking um, down the driveway and um, left their tracks in the snow. But these were hoofs, hoof marks. And we kind of just looked at each other and like, you know, we're baffled by it. And we followed uh, the tracks and they did end uh, where the house in the back, I mean, they just disappeared. There was no evidence of any disturbed snow or, you know, whether it be by squirrels or, you know, other critters that come out during the day or night, whatever. It was just a, hoof tracks uh, in the snow and so I was watching your show or I was listening to your show and I found it so interesting and um, especially with your guest talking about the woman that had panicked and or had a panic attack and the being just disappeared in a flash of light um, I thought oh my goodness could that possibly be similar to the tracks that we had encounter or, or seen here in the driveway and I live in Racine Wisconsin uh, I know I have a New York um, phone number but I, I'm living in Racine Wisconsin so I thought it was really interesting um, yeah so that's it I, that's all I I think I, I believe I'm going to subscribe to your um, show and um, keep up the good work thank you Thank you for uh, for calling in. Um, I, I I knew right away she was from Wisconsin just by the uh, the accent, which is I love hearing that because that's like a little piece of home for me. But uh, well, you happen to live in the same area that uh, actually our guest on that episode, um, well, remotely the same area. Um, he was in the West Bend area. Racine is about an hour hour and a half away from uh, that area. It's south. Uh, uh, southeastern Wisconsin. Okay. Uh, both in southeastern Wisconsin. Okay. So, um, yeah, general Milwaukee area okay. um, is, is where all this is going on, or where a lot of these cases. Uh, with uh, Jay Nathan Couch was our guest in that, that episode, and it was, a, it was an interesting episode to talk about, and the only reason that I had him on to talk about the, the goat man, and it's a topic, because we don't really go into Bigfoots or Yetis or anything like that. Mm-mm. I brought him on because I was intrigued by it because it seems more of, at least in my opinion, more of a demonic type entity that these people are seeing by the way it disappears, by the way it appears, at least what some of the reports are on this this thing. And, right. and that's why I'm thinking this is more of a ghost than it is a unexplained animal that nobody knows what the hell it is. Okay. So that that's what caught my interest on it. Um, and there's a lot of BS stories about 
Goatman. You know, it, it is very much an urban legend in a lot of areas. Um, where it is different names around the country, depending on where you're talking about. Um, and, and there is a lot of just, you know, things that are based on horror stories. You know, mm-hmm. But then you have these things where you have these really weird, unexplained uh, phenomenon of people seeing something like this or seeing the tracks of something like it. Now, there's a lot of deer in southeastern Wisconsin, but if you've lived there for any period of time, you know what a deer track looks like in the snow. Well, sure. And a deer walks on four feet. So you're going to have it moving, you know, right, right, left, left, as far as the tracks. Yeah, you can you can tell what a deer yeah, track a looks two, like. Yeah, a two-legged animal. If is you see two-legged be, hoofs. Yeah, that's going to be like a, a right, left, right, left. That's, that's creepy as hell. I mean, that's when you yeah. see that, you're like, I want to move. You can tell. Yeah. You can tell the difference. So she's in the area of where there's... The Jay Nathan couches, uh, the goat man that he's talking about in a lot of the um, stories in his his upcoming book are about. Um, I'm going to forward this on to him and let him know that we got a call about this. Um, I'm sure he'd be very interested in in this account. Um, Did he do a documentary? I don't. I'm not familiar no, with he's, that episode. Uh, he's uh, a paranormal investigator in the West Bend uh, area of Wisconsin. Um, and he's doing uh, a book about uh, the Goat Man. Okay. Um, so that's that's what that one's all about. Okay. Uh, but very, very interesting. That's that's creepy. How I, long has that legend been around? Ah, uh, gosh, I don't even remember. I know he talked about it on the episode. I believe it goes back uh, quite a few years. I believe almost to like the forties or the fifties. Okay. Is how far it goes back. And I mean, I grew up in that area. I never heard boo about Goatman. Okay. Um, but I guess in some smaller communities um, within there, it is a, a fairly relevant talked about legend, but it was it's more so confined to very specific uh, areas. So I don't know why it wasn't where I was, concerned right in that area, but it just wasn't. So... Uh, but creepy, uh, creepy story nonetheless. I and mean, I got a lot of people going on to that show going, that show's BS. I'm like, well, it is what it is. I mean, you could say all of the shows we do are because it's all, you know, it's relative to what you want to believe in. I just think the stories of this Goatman thing, like I said, feel a little more dark and demonic than it is a, you know, a Yeti or something of that nature. Okay. So there you go. Goatman. Uh, let's uh, go to uh, a, a letter. Actually, this is a comment on a, a previous show. Uh, this is about the shadow people, and I thought it kind of related to what we were just talking about. Uh, been experiencing these shadow people showing up since I was four. And the one thing I noticed is that they only appear when I feel angry, sad, alone, etc. So essentially depressed, correct? Yeah, I would say maybe. Um, basically, any negative emotion seems to attract them. Also... Most of my friends and relatives have experienced these beings. And the thing is, we only recently started uh, talking about it. And we thought we were all just crazy. What worries me is that when I get a group of people together to hang out, we notice things that happen. Some people see the shadow figures. Others see glowing eyes. Others see and hear things like scratching or footsteps. The one thing we all have witnessed is that doors that were once closed are open. Even if they've been locked, whatever these beings or being is, it gains more strength the closer the victims are. Interesting and terrifying at the same time. What's their deal with doors? I don't know. You have a, you were just telling me a door story before. I was, and it's. I don't think it's a scary story, but I'll share. Um, my great-grandmother, yes, she was alive a year and a half ago, which she recently passed. Mm-hmm. And so my mom and my grandmother were over cleaning out her house, getting it ready for sale. You know, the normal things you do. And they lived about six hours away from where my grandmother lived. So it was a over the night trip and they were going to stay there. Well, my grand, my great grandmother had lived in the same house since the 70s. And every time we go and visit, the door to the bathroom would always kind of get caught on the carpet it was one that it wasn't hard to close but it took a little bit of effort because of the carpet and so one of I don't know if it was my mom or my grandmother one of them was in the restroom 
and the door opened on its own, which is not really possible because of the the way the sure. it rubs on the carpet. It's not just say the house shifted, wind blew, which happens, right? But if you have the friction of the door and it's something where you you know it takes a little work. But here's the thing. Okay, one's finished, so the other one needed to go. Was in the bathroom, and it happened again. So we're thinking there's something going on there. Mm-hmm. That I mean, because the carpet was still rubbing on the door, and, and and it just it was an odd thing. Stuff like that hadn't happened before. I think your great grandma is still hanging out at the house. Well, we kind of think because they took a picture of the living room. You know, my mom was taking some pictures for memories. And there was one where there was an orb like right in the middle, the focus of the picture. And the thing is, that totally fits my great grandmother's personality. That would have been her. She would have been like up in your face. (laughs) If it had been my great grandfather, he would have stepped aside and let her take the picture. Uh (laughs) So it's one of those too. I mean, where I mean, if that's what it is, uh, in in death, I think a lot of personality gets transferred over. I think know? so. And you're still kind of yourself, even there. Yeah. Which is, is interesting, you know? Just Eight, thought I'd share. 855-853-4802 with your real ghost story. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call. Or you can write into us at realghoststoriesonline.com. Marlene writes in, since I can remember, I've been in contact with the dead. Not physical contact or conversations, just emails, instant messengers, and texts. Oh, no, I'm kidding. I added that part. <laughs> don't do that. I believe everything you're saying. Just, okay, not physical contact or conversations. Just had the feeling of some presence. Lost a lot of family and friends at a young age, and even now, I have several funerals over the year. I guess we aren't a strong family based on diseases. To get to the core of the story, we have to go back to me as a little girl. I was seven years old, and my grandma passed away because of cancer. I've always had a strong connection with her. Even now, I can feel the bond. I can also feel her presence. A lot of strange things have happened in our house since my grandmother's dead, but the one that has confirmed her presence would be before my grandmother died, she did a promise. Even though I'm no longer there to kiss you goodnight, I'll still make sure you will have a good night wish for me. The light on and off, you'll notice I'm there. So on an evening, me and my sister lay in bed and the light turned on and off. I didn't notice it, but my sister did. She was four, woke up because of the light. So the next evening, the same time around 10 o'clock, the same thing happened again. So the third night, my mom and dad sit with us in the corner of her bed and the light turns on and off one more time. And even now, the light goes on and off, especially in our new house in the living room. I accepted the ghost, but she really did unnerve me. Sometimes it actually confused me to know we had her looking over us, but mostly it scared the heck out of me. I like the thought of somebody like that watching over me, but I don't want lights on and off. I don't want to see anything weird happen. That's interesting where you promise you're going to haunt someone like right before they, you die. You yeah. promised that we would haunt together in our wedding vows. Yeah, I did. So I know you're going to haunt me, so I have to make sure I die first. Well, it's it's more so the girls that are going to have to watch. <laughs> That's because, great. I mean, I'm going to follow them around, and if anybody screws with them, I mean, well, they're going to have a little issue on their hands. Instead of my two dads, it'll be my ghost dad. <laughs> they'll be Amityville all over again. Oh be, God! I mean that that is if anybody screws with them. If if they're uh, if they have no issues, anybody who's nice to them, they're fine. I'm not going to mess with them. I'll you know help them out if anything. But anybody messes with them, <laughs> they're not going to know what's going on. So you're going to do more than turn lights on and off? Oh, if anyone was hurting the girls, yeah. Of course well, I would. Yeah, well... I would be... They wouldn't know what was going on. But if they're nice, if if if, everything, if they have no issues in their life and the people that surround them are all good and, and happy, I'm not going to bother them. I'll be a fun ghost. But if if there's anything bad going on, good ghost goes bad pretty quick. Okay. Wouldn't you? I would do something if... I wouldn't do it to scare the girls. I would do it to scare the the person. I, I just don't want to be a ghost. I just don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know that spoils your plan, but I just really don't. 
I don't know that you have a whole lot of say in the matter. I know honestly. I don't. So I don't. I, honestly, I don't know. I mean, I wonder if you get the option. Like you get up, you're you're you have three choices when you're dead. It's like a choose your own adventure book. <sighs> yeah, you die. And you're like, all right. Well, you can either just kind of go up to heaven or uh, or hell or. Uh, or uh, you can uh, hang out here a little bit longer if you want to watch over some folks. It's like the price is right of death. <laughs> it kind of is. Okay. Showcase showdown. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder. I, I don't know. I wonder if we get the option. Uh, Robert writes into us. I just found the podcast and I'm listening to back-to-back episodes. I was listening to the episode Haunted Graveyard and you spoke of mirrors. Let me tell you my stories. I come from a military family, so we moved a lot. One of the interesting things about this is we have a lot of chance to be in many different houses. My older brother, we always call the Sixth Sense Boy, so we have multiple stories that can be told. When we lived in Ohio, my brother would always ask my mom who the man in the hall was, or who the man sitting with me was. Besides this, my mother always said that the house had a real weird feeling, and that is the first time I ever heard my mom admit to something being haunted. Fast forward many years, my dad had retired. We lived in Utah, and the house we lived in was haunted as, well, at least the corner basement room was haunted. Every one of us kids who lived in that room at some point in time had an experience beyond that when you were home alone. You could always hear someone walking upstairs. In this house... That's where another instance that, my, instance that my brother had. My family is highly religious, so one night uh, he was lay, saying his prayers before bed. When he finished, he felt that someone was in the room with him. Freaked out, he turned off the light and jumped into bed. During the night, he woke up and still felt that feeling when he rolled over and looked at a full-length mirror in his room. He says, I saw many dark figures standing in the mirror. It freaked him out, and still to this day, my brother and myself cannot sleep in a room with an exposed mirror. One last story. Like I said, we're highly religious, and I was serving a mission for my church in South Dakota on the Rosebud Indian Reservation. We live on a little trailer in the middle of nowhere. My bed was set up so I could see out in the hall. When I woke up one night, I saw a man in the hall looking at me, and he was wearing a three-piece suit. And like a, a bowler hat, I covered my face with my blanket and then peeked again. When I looked again, he just turned and walked down the hall. I asked the guy I shared a room with if he saw it, and he said yes. So we went to find out and find, to find him, but he was not there. Great podcast. I have more I could share maybe another time. Yeah, we'd love to hear more. I want to know what was going on in that corner basement room. With the, the mirror and the dark entities in there? I don't know. You know what my gut says? My gut says something was being conjured up in there at one time, or there were, you know, maybe previous owner was doing something. Something dark? Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Because that's the kind of thing you would do in a corner basement room. Yeah, you're probably right. I was, I was, uh, this answered my question the other day. I, I decided to rewatch that uh, documentary, Cropsy. Okay. Uh, about the Long Island, uh, it's Long Island, right? I it's Staten so. Island. Staten Island. Okay. Uh, Staten Island. Um, uh, essentially, it's a, a large uh, plot of land in the woods that had uh, some like a tuberculosis hospital onto it and whatnot. And um, anyway, it, it's more of a uh, a tale of of a, a murder than anything else, but. Um, there had been a lot of issues with satanic rituals going on inside that aban- or those abandoned buildings afterwards. And a lot of people were, you know, people didn't talk about it. People, because apparently it was pretty much like being shut down when people were trying to investigate it, like police would investigate it, would not investigate it. Um, certain strings of command just kind of just would stop when people were asking for investigations and the thought process was a lot of people in higher powers are involved in these things so then when I was saying the other day I was like how often are people hanging out and doing satanic rituals is this like really a common occurrence or is this more so something we see more so in movies well according to the Cropsey documentary there's a lot of it that goes on so that kind of answered that for me well, and the way in this last story you read, he talked about seeing multiple figures, you know, that makes me think of conjuring up a group, you yeah, know? Yeah, so 
I don't know. It'd be interesting. It's probably, I'm going to guess something that was going on in that house before they lived in it, mm-hmm. you know, or, yeah, or something that or maybe even, I mean, y- you're right. The corner basement room does sound like a perfect place for something like that to be happening. Uh, I'm wondering about the piece of furniture, though, too. I mean, they could have been brought, the piece of furniture could have had something to do with it, even if it had been in a totally different place. Right. You know? Right. I don't know. There's a lot of interesting things, I think, that can come with furniture, you know, and that can be kind of scary sometimes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what? <laughs> I just, I'm thinking about the stupid desk in the other room over there. Oh, the, the chair that moves by itself? It only happened once that I've, uh, and I didn't even see it. I just, you you said, hey, did you move the so chair? So you don't believe me now? I believe you, but it only happened in, in this house once. Yeah, but the whole time I thought my mom was doing it, it wasn't sure. my mom doing it. Yeah, so it just recently became active. <laughs> it can go back and be dormant again, that okay. would be fine. A desk. No, don't talk to the desk. <laughs> Just go on to the next story. 855-853-4802 is the phone number. 855-853-4802. Call us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and leave your real ghost story. The line is always active, so please do call or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. And, of course, give us some love out there on iTunes or Stitcher or YouTube, whatever you're listening to us on. Uh, some stars, some positive reviews. Uh, if you're, you're listening right now on iTunes, do us a favor. Just go right back to the podcast page and uh, do some of that. Do some stars. It would really help us uh, grow in the rankings. We've been doing really well there, and that helps more folks find the show. Tyler writes in, Hi, Tony. I want to start off by saying I love the show, even more with the extra input from Jenny. It's nice to have a sensitive on the show. I myself am a medium and believe your wife probably has more power than she thinks. That Ooh. scares the shit out of there me. There you go. Anyway, my most experience, uh, my, my worst experience occurred when I was dabbling with a Ouija board. Surprise, surprise. I was not aware of the dangers at the time and do not condone using a Ouija board for any reason. Me and my brother thought there was nothing to it. So we constructed a makeshift Ouija board using paper, which you can do, by the way. Are you aware of this? You don't, no. have to, you don't have to buy the Milton Bradley one. You can make one with some letters. and. Well, I didn't figure Milton, Bra- Milton Bradley held the patent on talking to the devil. I just figured that... No, that's Fisher Price. Okay. Um, that's the Barney Corporation. <laughs> that's that stupid Elmo that makes noise at random. Okay, no, I no, just... I, Sesame Street Workshop, no. I never Funny. would have thought about making a homemade one, so, yeah. okay. As soon as we placed our hands on the glass, it began to move, slowly at first, in a circular... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Milton Bradley had the pad on talking to the devil. I'm sorry. <laughs> It'd be an interesting pad to try and find, though. Go, go, go to the United States Patent Office. Does anybody have a patent on trying to communicate with Satan? Oh, yeah, Milton Bradley holds that one. It's right over here. Yeah, okay. Anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. Continuing on. As soon as we placed our hands on the glass, it began to move. Slowly at first in a circular motion, before picking up speed. We began to ask questions to which it responded with vulgar words. The glass then moved down through all the numerous, through all the, for flying off the board and smashing into the wall. We vowed not to talk about it ever again, especially because my father is also a medium and it would flip, and it would flip him out if he found out. After this incident occurred, I became depressed for weeks and had to seek medical attention. However, I didn't think there was any link at the time. It wasn't until Christmas Eve, weeks later, that I had one of the most terrifying dreams ever. I was standing in my garden when I was when I saw a white cat with bright red eyes. It came closer, and as it did, it morphed into a large black cat and began to attack me. It turned into a fight for my life, in which I eventually woke up in a cold sweat. On Christmas Day, my sister said they heard scratching on each of their bedroom doors the night before. One of my sisters jokingly said to my father, Did you see any ghosts or anything last night? Without a shiver went down my spine and I told him about my dream. The following night, I was about to go to sleep when I had an urge to open my eyes. Above me was a mist, blacker than black. Terrified, I proceeded to hide under the covers until I didn't have the energy to stay awake. Around three or four in the morning... I got up to go to the toilet. Once I'd finished, I turned around and saw a dark figure with red eyes staring back at me through the mirror. 
That's why I don't look at mirrors when I go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, by the way. You don't? I don't. I avoid them. I look down. Do you? No, I, I don't. I, I don't want to look at the mirror in the middle of the night. Uh, of course, I freaked out, darted back to my bedroom, and didn't sleep the rest of the night. I believe my entity was demonic and attached to one of my friends who was also severely depressed. She started to hear shouting in her ears at night and banging. I also discovered some of the creepiest footprints on her bedroom ceiling. All I know is they weren't made by a human. I asked my father some questions when the topic came up, and he told me how to deal with certain entities and various other things. Armed with the knowledge, I banished the entity, and nothing has happened since. That was the first and last time I'll ever mess with the Ouija board. I learned that if spirits want to make contact, they will do what they will do. You don't need to invite them. I realize this story may be long-winded, but I just wanted to answer some of your questions regarding Sage, etc. I believe it's more of your intention behind letting positive energy in than the Sage itself. However, I don't think Sage really does much, especially when it comes to demonic entities. I think it just calms the energy temporarily and would much rather recommend using salt. Also, for anyone out there who wants to protect themselves from negative entities, I believe there is power in crystals. I would also love to give Jenny a piece of advice. Trust your instincts. I wish my father would have told me that sooner. I appreciate the advice. I I don't like having the the sensitive feelings that I get, and I sometimes don't know that I know what's going on at the time. It's not till I think about things or or think about the situation that I figure out later what maybe was going on. So I rarely can act on that and know what's going on. Who's moving the chair? I don't know who's moving the chair. The desk was bought new by my grandparents for my mom. It was new new, really? Yeah. Well, that's interesting then. I know. That's really weird. I know. So I don't know. Although, there we go. Back to the haunted timber. Haunted timber. Like the bunk bed in Horicon? Right. On Unsolved Mysteries? I remember that, and you think... It- you know, not that you think this is exactly what happened, but possibly that it was timber used from maybe a tree that was used to hang somebody or somehow that timber was, you know. Involved in something. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is somewhat logical. Well. Odds probably not great, but I don't know. Odds of having a haunted desk that was bought brand new also probably not great. I don't know. You know, that's the interesting thing. I don't know. Hmm. Something to think about. Something to ponder. While we're talking about far-fetched things, um, on our last show, we talked a little bit about haunted schools, and I talked about the New London, Texas explosion a little bit. Yeah. And we also touched on my childhood playmate. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did a little looking, because I can remember seeing him plain as day. Now, when we say childhood playmate... I this, mean, my imaginary friend. This was not like a kid you were playing with well, he in was, real life. He was to me, He but was to you. So this is what others would have described as an imaginary friend, but right. this is not a real human being. Right. And my, my parents always said it was normal to have imaginary sure. friends and stuff. So I just assumed that that was why they couldn't see him. So anyway, my mom also had an imaginary friend when she was a child. Mm-hmm. And hers was a little Native American boy. Mm-hmm. And the way she described him, he looked very much like the character from The Jungle Book, the little boy with the little, you know, animal sure. thing on. So That's how you envisioned him? Or is that how she described him? That's how him? she described him. That's okay. how she saw him. Okay. And she actually saw hers again in real life as an adult. Mm-hmm. So we know that hers was a ghost. I never thought about mine being a ghost until the last show. Mm -hmm. So I did a little research on trying to figure out what time period he dressed like. Mm -hmm. He dressed like the 30s. And he started coming to play with me about the time my brother was born. And my brother was born when I was four. So I remember going to the hospital a couple of times. One when my mom was taking that whatever Lamaze class or whatever so after my brother's born I remember having this plane mate and um, we'll call him Jack anyway so I would play with Jack and 
you know, I never thought anything about how he dressed or anything until the last episode that we talked about. Being the time frame that he dressed from and the area that we lived in, I am kind of starting to wonder if maybe he wasn't a victim of that explosion. And the reason I'm making that leap is two two reasons. Um, a lot of the children from that explosion were taken to the hospital that I went to mm-hmm. with my mom. Um, the ones that didn't make it were taken there. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if something followed me home. But also... My parents took me to New London some point when I was little. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what age it was, but maybe something followed me home from there. Well, it's interesting that you actually can remember what he looked like as an imaginary friend. Because like in the last episode we were talking, I had an imaginary friend, but I don't have any associates... Uh, the looks of what this imaginary friend was, because I didn't see him. Um, and I, at least for me, that's how it was. I don't know that a lot of kids see their imaginary friends, and that's where I'm wondering if it was more than an imaginary friend. Well, like right now, I'm talking about this, and it's, I'm very uncomfortable, and I'm shaking. Um, I don't, I don't know that I like the idea of him being a ghost, but I'm thinking more and more maybe that's what it was. Sure. I don't know why else a little boy dressed in 1930s clothes in East Texas would be playing with me. Um, that's the only uh, thing I can think of. The time period thing is interesting, too, because we even we took a look at some of those pictures of those kids, and I couldn't find any. You said he was wearing a hat that was, you know, reminiscent of Titanic kids' hats. You well, know, not the, necessarily. Or, I mean, little boys in that sure, whole the, era wore the, that. Yeah. The, so I mean, not, I mean, not saying from Titan, just saying that era of hat. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. Uh, there was no hats in the pictures, but again, I wouldn't expect to see hats in pictures of that era because it would have been inappropriate to wear a hat in a picture. Right. Um. So, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I know it's pretty far fetched, but that's kind of what I'm wondering now: is if something didn't follow me home. But it was so weird because he told me. And this is so funny. He told me flat out one day that he was moving to Oklahoma and I never saw him again. It was not me consciously saying I'm too old for a playmate. It was his choice. Yeah, usually you gotta gotta work the kids away from the uh, imaginary friends. Yeah. The imaginary friends don't usually go, oh, time to move. And I don't know why he would have said he was moving to <laughs> Oklahoma. <laughs> but I, you can ask my mom. That is what I told her. There's, I said he moved to Oklahoma. He left. I was sad. But There's he, more opportunities for ghost children in Oklahoma. I, I don't know. know. That's It's interesting. But I wonder, seriously, I mean, knowing that my mom is also sensitive mm-hmm. and that she saw hers, sure. you know, I I wonder if mine was also a ghost. I could see it. I mean, at le- I mean... The thing is, at least you had, like, positive memories of him. It wasn't like he was, you know, a, a negative force. It was, like, kind of, you know, probably helpful to you, especially I, with having a new little brother and everything. I around. cannot tell you how many times he and I play got married as a little kid with toilet paper wedding dress and everything. And then I had a swing set, and we would go out, and we'd sit on the swing set, and then we'd have a, a we would pretend to cook pine cones. I mean, just... It was a ghost. And I just, it makes me incredibly sad to think that he was a ghost. Yeah. Well, I mean, but think, if it was a ghost, you were bringing him some joy. If if he's conscious, you know, obviously if it was interacting, you know, it was a a good thing. You know, he was able to sit there and play with a, a little girl. Maybe there was another little kid that he was going off to play with when he moved away. Maybe so. You know, maybe there was that, that window of time when you were a little kid and... You know, they say, little. you know, the younger you are, the, the more easy it is to see those sort of things. Um, maybe he just knew that you were getting old enough that you were going to stop seeing him, whether he wanted you to or not. Maybe, this sounds silly, maybe Oklahoma, there was, you know, he knew where he was going and there was, you know, another kid there that he was going to go hang out with. That's, that's interesting. 855-853-4802 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call if you have a real ghost story to share with us or you can write into us uh, we're our website realghoststoriesonline.com click on the tell us your ghost 
story button and we may read your real ghost story back on a future episode here at real ghost stories online.com that's how it works please give us some love out there on itunes stitcher youtube wherever it may be positive reviews stars that helps us grow in the rankings gets more great ghost stories and a better show for you every single week so for jenny bruski i'm tony bruski thanks for listening to real ghost stories online Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.